0: it was fascinating just hearing the conversations in the room and the purpose of that was for us to say okay together let's come up with what we believe this experience needs to be Mm -hmm. or certainly a starting point that can then evolve as more silence get on board as Mm -hmm. we get feedback from more stakeholders
1: welcome to third culture africans the lifestyle podcast for dreamers thinkers and doers We celebrate artistry, share stories from those brave enough to create something and succeed. Listen to diverse perspectives on African success and those shifting the needle on culture. I'm Zeza Ariake-Sao, your host. On this week's episode of Third Culture Africans, we have Winifred Awa of Antidote Street, a good friend of mine who is a firm believer that the works of her hands needs to count. And why not? She has been able to build an incredible business and taken to task a whole industry and is, if I say so myself, one of the coolest people I know and has been featured in some of the coolest publications on earth. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did because Winifred's energy is infectious. Hi Winnie, thank you for joining us on Third Culture Africans. I feel like we've already had our episode, so we'll try we'll try to fill in everyone in on, okay. on, on the chat this week. We of course are known for having our monumental conversations about life and everything. Yeah, our guest this week uh, for me has become a good friend, and it was a mutual friend. I know who introduced us to each other and perchance she thought, Oh my God, how come you guys don't know each other? And you guys should, because we are both in the beauty industry indeed in some capacity. And I like to refer to you as a super connected human super
0: connected yeah you are
1: (laughs) i think you are i feel like there are very few ecosystems that you haven't you like you don't have knowledge of or know someone okay okay yes
0: yes from that perspective yes
1: you know what i mean and so she's a woman of very vast knowledge so i hope you guys will enjoy this episode as much as i think it's going to go because we're going to talk about everything and anything So Winnie is the founder of Antidote Street, reading your bio, was born out of your frustration with not being able to find, I guess, a safe place for a woman of color with textured hair to figure out what on earth you should be buying and why. Exactly. And how that works for us, even in the professional environment around the salons. Yeah. And you've dedicated pretty much the last few
0: years of your life. Yeah. Trying to change that. Yeah. Is that accurate? Pretty accurate. I mean, something that really baffles me Is the fact that for the vast majority of my adult life, I pretty much didn't know how to look after my hair. And the reason why I say that is because I essentially, you know, you go through kind of like your teen life and you're kind of like braiding your hair, putting whatever it is. Using whatever it is that you're kind of like, however you were raised, right? For me, it was braiding. um, Braiding your hair and not really quite understanding what the texture of your hair is yes and soon after i would say high school then university i started working in the city of london and Mm -hmm. i just went weaves and 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 i would just submit myself yeah i just went weaves and like i remember oh my god like the the lady that used to do my hair she definitely didn't care about the health of my hair because i would rock up on a friday evening just like today yeah. Um. She'd take off the weave, relax it, put the thing back on, and I'm like winning because Saturday's still there, Sunday's still there, Monday my hair's ready to go <laughs> to <into> work. So. <laughs> So, so that's what I mean and 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 when I eventually decided to cut my hair I did it because not for any kind of like significant reason I think people often have like mind mm. earth shattering reasons you mm. know wanted to connect with myself or you know whatever I, I just did it because I found it fascinating because a lot of my friends were starting to do it and I wanted to know what would my hair look like because I actually don't know mm. and I remember the first time I saw my curls because I never really saw them because it was constantly being relaxed mm. I was like oh wow like who is that yeah and what what is that yeah and and when my sisters saw it they were like dude like are you from this family like what's going on I'm like you have the same hair as I was like, do yeah. Like yeah. it's not actually yeah. different but I'm sure it wasn't pink then <laughs> it wasn't pink it was <laughs> it was definitely black yeah uh, but when I saw it I had to cut I just cut off the relaxed ends I just yeah. did it straight away
1: yeah and I must say it's been one of the most freeing things I've done and I've cut my hair
0: before yeah
1: but I've cut my hair in a Texturized state. Yes. Yes. So I've cut my hair short into like a pixie cut yeah. before, but never to as drastically as I did last year. Yeah. To yeah. go from like texturized to fully natural. Yeah. I have never done it. And then I went blonde because I thought, why not? I'm never going to do this before. How did you
0: feel when you went blonde?
1: It was incredibly freeing. I had this I'm not my hair kind of feeling. You know, I I can't be defined by my hair. I am not my hair. This is not who I am as much as society has told me. And even I've told myself yeah. that my identity or who I want the world to see yeah. is very much tied to how I rock my hair. Yeah, and I didn't really see my hair as a form of expression. Yes, which a lot of other cultures use hair as expression, but for us as women of color, I think it's not the same for us. As yeah. a very seldomly do you find a woman of color who is open enough to use her hair. As expression yeah whereas you have a lot of other cultures who are happy to do that whereas for us it's almost like it is a status symbol and it's more about how we want to be perceived as opposed to what we're expressing exactly this podcast is sponsored by malay natural science malay's products are inspired by the rich landscapes alluring scents and ancient wisdom of africa Their luxurious fragrance and body care range balances 100% natural active ingredients and scientifically proven formulas to heal, protect and pamper your skin. Malay ships worldwide and you can buy their products at malleeonline.com. They also offer a free sample if you'd like to try.
0: I had a very similar experience to you when I colored my hair. I I started coloring my hair. It was blonde before. And then I went pink about probably two years ago now. Mm. And when I went blonde for the, it was the first I had ever put color in my hair. Again, I was surprised because I was thinking everybody's done this in their teenagers They've gone purple. They've gone yeah. all kinds of crazy colors yeah. and I've never done it. Mm. And I did that. I went blonde for the first time probably like, I don't know, four years ago or something yeah. like that. And I felt similar things that mm. you felt. Mm. And I would say I'm definitely in a place now mm. where I'm like, I definitely want to have fun. with my hair and also for us with antidote street it's kind of like this ethos of would like to give people all the information so that they can be freer with their hair Mm. so it's like if you know how to keep it healthy it doesn't really matter how you want to rock it if you want to wear weaves if you want to color it if you want to relax it as long Mm. as you just know what you're doing because then that way you're coming from a place of power as opposed to a place of i have to be this way
1: yeah and i guess there's a fear around oh my god is my hair gonna fall off
0: if i color it yes we all
1: start from a place of very little knowledge yes um your first i remember oh my God, desperately wanting to chemically straighten my hair yeah. in whatever shape or form they would give it to yeah. me because I have two older siblings yeah. and they had gotten old enough. They had enough, yeah. They had gotten old enough to get their hair relaxed. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have a negative relationship with my hair. I yeah. never have actually. So yeah. in 2005, 6, 4, I rocked a big afro. Yeah. yeah. But I remember desperately wanting that feeling of straight hair. Yes. And finally getting it.
0: And finding that it didn't look like the girl on the just for me packet. Yes, the just for me packet. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. It wasn't as cool. I remember that. Yeah, the bubbles. It wasn't just, as bouncy. No, the bubbles yeah. just were flat on my hair. Yeah, but you did you? I don't know whether you you saw that American kids had that. Was it just the way they were blow drying our hair? I, I think, wonder I what think it, our there was hair to do was. With that.
1: Perhaps at the time, I don't think the professionals who were doing our yeah. hair
0: were professionals no they probably weren't
1: and i think it was overprocessed. Yeah, yeah basically so our hair as a starting point from when for and i guess for most women of color and i guess for most people in developing countries if you look at the quality of the products we had even Yeah, yeah for our hair care it wasn't
0: anything i can't think of any product i was using that I was like, one, I understand what that product does or that that product gave me mm-hmm. a style that was desirable. In any way, I'll often have, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned that you you couldn't relax your hair until you hit a certain age. Mine was relaxed from the age of four or oh, certainly, wow. maybe not relaxed, certainly like the hot comb, like yeah. chemically, not, um, heat, heat yeah. straightened. Oh wow! Um, because I was going to be a little bright at the wedding. Uh... <laughs> So that
1: was your first experience. That was my
0: first experience. Okay. And it kind of just carried on from there from there once
1: once um, you tasted once you tasted, once you, the, on once the side, you tasted it hair.
0: basically it yeah. just kind of like carried on from there which is just so interesting and then to your point around having either over processed hair or having people who are not really professionals work on your hair i remember many many years later i was mm-hmm. doing a, an internship at ibm yeah many moons ago i remember this this guy <laughs> <laughs> I remember this guy, he was like, Winnie, why doesn't your hair move? (laughs) Okay, thankfully I didn't fancy him because I probably would have gone like... Oh my God, I'm dead. <laughs> I probably would have wanted the floor to open up and eat me <laughs> up in an instant. I think I probably had something like super witty to reply to. I think to. that was like,
1: I, I guess but, as, as I got older, the measure of a good hairdresser and a good yeah. treatment or a good visit to the hairdresser was the wind would blow
0: and your yes. hair would move. Yeah, and, and, and then it, it would return hopefully back in place as opposed to it would move yeah. and then it would be stuck wherever. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Antidote Street, yeah. born out of... What sounds like your, and I guess for a lot of women of color, our journeys with our hair. Yeah. And you decided to make a tech business out of it.
0: I mean, I I think that, you know, with Antidote Street, there was certainly the piece that came from frustration of not having the right knowledge or not having the right access to good quality products, right? Mm -hmm. But then the other part of it is just... Also realizing that hang on a second, I'm engaging with forward-thinking products in every facet of my life. Using things like Netflix, Uber, Delivery, etc., right? Products of that ilk. Digitally native, mobile first, amazing. But why is it that when it came to my beauty, I had to suddenly go to like a dodgy shop in the back of the corner of God knows where to pick up a garish looking top to put on my head. There was something that just wasn't working and it's kind of like this whole idea that the experience that we've had or in some scenarios continue to have as women of colour is woefully lacking. I think of what, what we do in Anton Street is like arming people with the right product but also giving an excellent experience in terms of the way they engage and really challenging the status quo when it comes to the experience that people are used to. Yeah
1: and as a customer myself I can say that that definitely exists i remember in the early days where they had those hair forums and they would talk about all these products the american girls who had all these luscious hairs and yes. and, and they'll tell you about their tech show you know and you'll spend hours trying to figure out am i 4b am i 4c am exactly. i what am i and you couldn't get hold of those products unless yeah. you had someone in the u.s yeah. that would readily send you those products yeah.
0: but you guys provide a bridge for that need yes we do but i think that even thinking about it in terms of the evolution that we've seen in the industry for instance in america the fda does not have a stringent a law as to ingredients that are banned Mm -hmm. etc whereas eu's ingredients are much more stringent so you have like a wider list of ingredients that for instance are banned in the eu Mm -hmm. so what's exciting is like we curate the products and the brands that are on the site, making mm. sure that they've gone through the relevant testing. Mm-hmm. Then we go a step further to test them with multiple kind of like textures so we can actually give people the right advice. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's flipped. So there was a time when we used to kind of seek after all the products from the US, but I think the consumer is definitely a lot more savvy and knowledgeable mm-hmm. now, whereby it's not an automatic kind of like, Let's head to the products that are coming from the States. It's sort of like, what is going to do what I need it to do? And by the same token, you've also seen British brands or British-born brands really create phenomenal products, both Mm. in terms of excellent formulation, Mm -hmm. um, but also excellent packaging, Mm -hmm. you know, the full Mm -hmm. experience, you know, when you... I don't know I don't know about you I, I think you're quite similar like I love my bath I love yeah. my bubble bath I just like I'm a product junkie exactly I guess I'm in the right line of work I, yeah exactly <laughs> like I love I love like I mean this new year what yeah. I did for New Year's Eve I basically had a lovely bath yeah had beautiful glass of wine incense was burning yeah. I was just like and my friend always talks about how I like kind of like <laughs> my friend came and she's like Winnie like you just like cream your body like yeah. like, like, like it's a, a ritual or something it so is. I love what all All that stuff. And, you know, when you see products that are, you know, that just fit into that. But there's something
1: beautiful about the ritual of hair, right? I have fun memories. You know, for some people it could have been traumatic. But for me, Sundays were our hair days. Mm, Um, Yeah. So, because Saturdays we swam. And then Sundays we our hair, hair to, to yeah. get have it done for the week and i have memories of my mom with the blow dryer and yeah. sulfur eight and head and shoulders oh shampoo God, yes. yes i would say it was the beginning of the ritual of hair mm. for me but you touched earlier on early winnie you are born in Abba,
0: nigeria yes,
1: i am which is known for producing yeah i guess most of nigeria's entrepreneurs come from yes. there so there's something in the dna there's definitely something there But you started your career in management consultancy at one of the biggest consultancy firms. Why? Were you ever going to become an entrepreneur? Because someone from Abbas saying they're going to become an entrepreneur doing business. I think for you guys, because it's so much more acceptable in your culture that it wouldn't ring the same or true as some of our other guests where the aspiration is lawyer, doctor,
0: accountant, etc., I would say that that's definitely different because I'm the only person in my family that's doing what I'm doing. I look at Aba as I've really kind of learned so much about that city because, one, it was the city my parents chose to settle in after the war. And whenever I visit, this is my b- mom, the Biafran Wall. Yeah, the Biafran War. Okay. And whenever I visit and I spend ages talking to my dad and he tells me things and he takes me to like the first ever house they lived in, like it just has so much significance mm. for me. And I'm learning a lot about this city. Mm. It's a city of artisans, you have mm. a high number of people who are making things with their hands and it's amazing mm-hmm. and then you also have the businessman like there's yeah. the archetype of a businessman mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say that our parents definitely didn't raise us up as a kind of like almost like this is a DNA thing I don't think actually running businesses certainly from my dad's perspective he didn't look at it as a prestigious enough Thing to do.
1: That's so interesting yes. considering so, that like the perception as a non-Aban Nigerian yeah. is that perhaps in your culture it is so much, well at the time and hopefully, I guess now we're in a different age where it's becoming more respected yeah. but it, you guys were probably further along the curve than the rest of the country
0: So I come from a family of seven and mm. my siblings have all done things like, there's an architect in the family, an engineer in the family, an accountant in the family, and so a lawyer all the, jobs. the family. They took all the jobs. <laughs> it was really hard for me, actually. So, so you know what's really fascinating? I, as a child, I used <laughs> to love painting and yeah. drawing. I remember my mom saying to me, hey, are you sure you don't want to take a painting course like when I was picking my subjects in secondary school? And I was like, no, 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 I'm not. And to be honest, I chose to do something in the field of computing because to be quite frank, everything was chosen in the family as you yeah. as you pointed out. No, but
1: like, I, I guess in a family of seven, yeah. once you have a doctor, you have have yeah. an accountant you yeah. have a lawyer you have an architect what else What's what left? else is there
0: and you've got to bear in mind as well i don't know whether you had that experience growing up there was this split, this divide between are you an arts or are you a science person? Oh yeah. And then the people who are arts really is not really arts. It doesn't mean painting or, yeah. you know, whatever or design Arts is like sort of architecture and law. I don't know, social sciences. So social sciences. Things. Things. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then if you're kind of like, you know, science, you're like the doctors, the math you know, and exactly, physics, all of and that things stuff. Like that. Yeah. So, so I, I chose to do something in the computing space and I think there's probably an Elements of that like my dad would be like oh you know he'll he'll call each one of us oh yeah this one is studying this and this one is studying that and i loved it i love to be able mm. to be like yeah i'm studying computer science you know yeah. and it made my dad proud yeah i think that there was certain i wouldn't say i was pressured into studying what i studied in university it's just what was left i think. Well, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> One, it was what was left in the limited pool of options that I had, but I think that there was probably some elements of, well, if everybody's going to do this, I better, you know, I better do this, you know, but, but I think that what was fascinating though, my choice was, you know, I moved to do my A-levels, I did my A-levels in Birmingham and, and I remember having this amazing business studies teacher. Like, she was so good. She organized lots of, like, trips for us. Like, Mm. we went to Disneyland, but somehow she managed to get them to give us, like, some sort of a tutorial on the business Mm -hmm. behind Disney. Yeah, Like, she did things like that that was amazing and really brought it to life for me. And Mm -hmm. that was the first time that I was like, oh, wow, I'm really enjoying this, and I would love to have an element of that in my degree. So I ended up doing a fusion between business and technology. So you knew that early on? I just knew I liked it. All I knew was... Shout out to Mrs. Rachel Boyce, who taught business studies. (laughs) Mrs. Rachel Boyce. Shout out, Mrs. Rachel Boyce. Yes, exactly. Because I don't think I even remember the names of my other teachers, but I remember her name because she clearly helped me Mm. see something but I, I wouldn't say that the decision was one that was necessarily made with so much oh my god I know now all I know is I really enjoy this and I'd love to have an element of this mm. continue mm-hmm. in my degree yes and then that was like an interesting tug of war between my dad and I because it was like I thought it was computer science yeah. <laughs> and I'm like it's still <laughs> yeah but business but, <laughs> but business yeah <laughs> it's still but business so yeah that was kind of like the journey to doing that and it and I sort of followed through like my course was like a three year course I went out and I got an industrial placement year mm. to work at IBM and i mm. basically went back to university and i said to the union, was like hey guys i know it's a 3 year course but i've got this great job for one year i'd like to go do it and they were like by all means go do it mm. um so i spent a year working as a software tester at IBM oh cool and i did the um, same i worked for british telecom did you? oh well, yeah. okay but i
1: purposefully picked my course to have an industrial year what did you study uh informatics aha uh-huh. so same uh it was all that was left <laughs> (laughs) They wanted engineers and I couldn't see myself doing an engineering degree. I'd seen both my oldest siblings do engineering degrees and I just couldn't see myself doing that. An engineering degree, yeah, and so it was somewhere between software engineering and computer yeah. science,
0: mm, mm, and that's
1: how I literally explained yeah. it to my dad. Yeah, once he heard there was engineering in there somewhere, he was like, it's okay, I can pay for this. Yeah, you know? but if that word wasn't in there, I don't yeah. think I would have had the yeah. same response. Yeah. yeah, and then you go into management consultancy. I did, I did, but then you pivot into e-commerce. Yes. so you've worked for Netaporte, yeah, ASOS. LVMH. Yeah.
0: I had a great year. Well, not, it wasn't one year. It was more than a year. It was half a decade of management consulting. But I was getting to the point where or two things were happening. I remember my brother, he was setting up his architectural practice at the time and he would get so excited, right? Mm. Like we would meet and he would sketch out like on a tissue paper something that he's working on and Mm. I got so excited by his ability to start something from beginning to end Mm. um, and have a physical product and I think in consulting sometimes, you know, you were going from business to business and you were making an impact in these businesses but there Mm -hmm. were short-term projects and I certainly started, maybe it's the itch, the creativity itch Itch, was starting to kind of like you know start to feel restless and I certainly wanted to move but I didn't just want to move to another mm. consultancy practice because a lot of my friends were doing that they were getting monumental jumps in their salary mm. and I remember two of my friends and we were kind of like casually window shopping online mm. and we're like well what if we worked in these places what yeah. if we what if we what if we and I but at the time these were young businesses these they, were young businesses they were startups exactly they were startups because you did Netaporte 1st I did Netoporte first and then I moved on to ASOS afterwards. And I kind of took on the what if we and I made it a personal thing. I was like, well, what if I? Because I love fashion. Yeah. And I love that this is an exciting new business model that's kicking yeah. off. And why don't I take my skills yeah, and then be somewhere that kind of gives me everything I'm looking for, the creativity. Was this at the beginning
1: when the headlines start to come into mainstream about
0: the success of, yes, of, of, yes, yes, of the brand yes. and things like that. Yes, yes. Okay. I'll definitely say so. So it wasn't like it wasn't like employee number 10. It was it had okay. definitely become a lot bigger. I had a because I recently came across like a, an email I sent to my dad and I was trying to explain to him why I was leaving Casting yeah. Young to go to Netaporte Which he, he had like, never heard of. He, he was just like this is the online like, online him, shop. The trajectory involved <laughs> jp go you know like yeah. that was what everybody was doing it's either you're gonna hit that go down the kind of accenture mckinsey yeah. route or you know investment banks so I, I found this email i sent him and i was kind of like well, you know, it's Netaporte, it's part of Richmond and Richemont mm. is, is the third largest luxury yeah. group in the world. This is how oh, much so they they're had worth. Richmond had bought in yes, already at yes. the time. This okay. is how much they're worth, blah, 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 blah. So I I literally gave him like bullet points so mm-hmm. that he could understand what was going on. Yeah. And he was like, Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I remember having to do that and yeah. they were definitely at a point where you know they were bigger, yeah, and I suppose that maybe that contributed to my ability to make that pivot as well because they were in a stage where my skill set was, was needed, was needed. So I did that, and it was absolutely amazing for me. It was like a three hundred and sixty degree view of e commerce, mm. but personally, I would say I was just in heaven. You know, like yeah, just being around clothes, being around fashion, being around beauty. It was just great.
1: And then from that to ASOS, yes, at a similar place in the company's yeah. growth, yeah. yeah, yeah, where you. I guess Netapote is now IPO. Yeah.
0: Because you were there through the IPO. No, no, no. no. Not not netoporte's IPO. Netaporte actually never ipo because it got bought out by or merged Ukes, with. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then I moved on to ASOS. And ASOS was I look at Netsporte as my 360-degree e-commerce view. Yeah. And then I look at ASOS as my deep tech. Like Toto, we're not in Kansas no more. It's like yeah. proper hardcore technology and I learned so much. Mm. Um so like at ASOS, um, the sort of things I was delivering was recommendations, mm. machine learning, products, technology products. That, yeah, you know, they're incredibly forward thinking. So that was just having the two was just amazing because they're like similar companies at their core, one is luxury, one is not mm-hmm. um, but the experience for me was definitely, yeah. I've come to realize,
1: especially with the podcast, that no experience is wasted and hearing of your past experience yeah. and the business that you have today, yeah, which has an incredible cool factor because you guys don't just do regular press you guys do days. <laughs> Um, (laughs) For every guest, I respect immensely what they do. And I speak very highly of your business. But I always see what you're able to achieve as even more daring or groundbreaking. Because we're all third culture kids who are African. And as a result of our personal endeavors with having a vision and wanting to execute that, we are creating... Perspective in people's eyes globally around our culture, around our ecosystem, Mm -hmm. around our achievements, around things to do with us, pretty much. And you guys do it a little differently. So, Thank you. No, but you do. I, and I say you guys. You do it, so do it a little differently. <laughs> but
0: so differently. do you. So do you, actually. But it's
1: unique. It's unique in its own way, right? Like, yeah. I've never... Malay's never been featured in Dazed. But
0: you've you've had... I've
1: had other equally things.
0: Equally... I've had other things. Groundbreaking things. Yeah, but Dazed is, like, cool. <laughs> like, Dazed is
1: cool kids personified, right? <laughs> So you've got Dazed and then, you know, there's Vogue, there's Refinery 21, Harper's, you know, and Cosmo, sort of your glossies and your luxury glossies that we love. But this is in conversation about textured hair, women of color, black hair, whatever politically correct term it Mm -hmm. is today. But it's about something that historically we wouldn't see in our magazines and even if we saw it it wasn't in the same way that antidote street presents it so you know you guys did something incredibly earth-shattering which was you put out the salon manifesto and you pretty much called
0: the whole industry to task publicly in vogue i look at the manifesto as a collaborative effort. Okay, before we, I, I think yeah. I'm
1: speaking from a place of knowledge. So right, okay. yeah, Can you let our listeners know, like, what is this man- ta- Okay, yeah. Let the me manifesto explain. needs to be explained. Let me explain. Let okay. me
0: explain. With Antidote Street, we do lots and lots of research with our customer base. Yes, this um, is your tech,
1: your tech experience, is, which you've is, touched on.
0: <laughs> this is this is lots of research, lots yeah. of data design sprints etc constantly trying to get to the bottom of what is your experience both online and offline I often say I'm interested mm. in both and I guess um, we're always disgruntled by our experience right exactly the wait
1: times in a salon exactly the lack of professionalism exactly.
0: with the exactly. professionals exactly and salons just kept coming up and we're like yeah. well let's let's have a conversation about that right mm. so for us leading it as Antidote Street we're really an independent facilitator kind of like just like as a consultant you might come into a business as an independent person Mm. which means you can have a conversation from both sides and Mm. we were coming sharing feedback from our customers and we Mm. invited you know a number of leading salons in London to say let's Mm. have this conversation let's actually try and understand what is happening in the industry Mm. and off the back of that we learned from you know like stylist Sabrina Kidd who talked Mm. about her entire experience in the industry from probably late 80s early 90s Mm. and she was coming from a place of trying to understand whether anything had actually changing the industry. She started her career at a point where she could barely even find anyone to get her hair done. And she was trying to see what anything she had. It was fascinating just hearing the conversations in the room. And the purpose of that was for us to say, okay, together, let's come up with what we believe this experience needs to be. Mm -hmm. Or certainly a starting point that can then evolve as more salons get on board, as Mm -hmm. we get feedback from more stakeholders. That's essentially what it is. So on our site right now, there's a five-point manifesto Mm -hmm. that covers... All of those points that customers tend to feedback about. So things like timeliness, you respect my time, I respect yours. Going back to the science of hair care. Like mm-hmm. I like to think that if the manifesto existed, I wouldn't have been the scenario whereby I'll go to a hairdresser and they would relax my hair put a weave on you know what I mean because essentially they're putting like are you putting the health are you putting the health of my hair first exactly exactly Mm. are you able you know like one of the stylists amazing Dion she basically was like for instance Winnie I would never color your hair pink if it was relaxed yeah so thinking about what should you expect from your hairdresser yeah you know there'll be certain things you don't know but oh no you can't do this and here's the reason why yeah so the manifesto is really touching on what are those key points that where we can say together let's hold ourselves accountable to the service that we're putting forward, and that that's, that was also coming from a place of the buck stops with us now. Mm. I feel like we're in such an exciting time where there's so many people who are creating amazing businesses mm. that are challenging the status quo. Mm. So it's sort of like, a, well, we can't wait for anybody else to do it. Yeah. Let's all come together and yeah. make a, a stronger impact and yeah. actually create the industry that we want to see it's like henderson has always been com- kind of like a stronghold I would say in the Afro-Caribbean community there are lots of them around yeah. um, but I often think but well, why don't we have maybe like a chain that yeah. you know over time you know how do we come together and actually create something that is substantial here and sustainable and that has longevity exactly longevity um, is a good word I like that
1: we have between ourselves constantly challenge mm-hmm. the thought around why not us yeah. and in certain spaces. I think with the manifesto and being able to challenge the status quo, and it seems to be a running thread with every guest that our businesses are not just businesses, our businesses have purpose and are essentially trying to create a shift in our culture as we know it, a shift for our generation, the generation after whoever's listening, etc. And for me, I wanted to be able to document that. And I wanted to be able to share that with other people because these are conversations that we have offline often amongst friends, amongst fellow entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and being plugged into that ecosystem in some way, shape or form. I wanted to be able to have a place where people could tune in and tap into that depth, tap into the ability to see the world differently, tap into the experiences. And, And what's interesting is As third culture kids, we've had the benefit of seeing the world a lot bigger than what we thought. And we have context having parents who are from where they are either were immigrants or gave us the opportunity to be immigrants Mm -hmm. and have the exposure into the world and then forge our own paths as best as possible because to some extent yes our early days are formed by our parents wishes but we evolve into our own people Mm -hmm. and start to find purpose in what we want to do career wise. I say that because when you look at your career in Antidote Streets, whether it's the features and books mm-hmm. that are actually having specific conversations or what you've done, even in the corporate world, with bringing up diversity, with being able to, within Netaporte or ASOS internally start to create those conversations. Yeah. Did you know this about yourself that you always wanted to be impactful
0: in that way? I don't know, like oh, that was a really long way of explaining that too. But yeah. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. I'd never even thought about that the way you've just put it. Because now thinking about it right from IBM, I was doing stuff like going into schools, speaking to kids about their career or certainly sharing my experience in Mm. some shape or capacity, perhaps unconsciously, Mm. because I think that sometimes you have these things in your personality, but I would say I started to have those conscious thoughts probably around the time of net And I remember saying to a friend, I want the work of my hands to count. Mm. And I often think about it, Now I think about it all the time. I think about impact, I think about purpose, I think about how am I making a difference with Mm. what it is that I'm doing. And your point is is absolutely correct. They're not just businesses. There's something else that's happening.
1: Yeah. And it's definitely not for the money.
0: Yeah. There's absolutely something else that's happening that is profound in its own yeah. way. Because when I think about the sort of team I want to build, when I mm. think about ownership, when I think about like, it takes on a completely different form. It's no longer just the tech business. It's yeah. looking at who's going to be in this team? What's it going to look like? we have this conversation
1: often about teams and staff and and building,
0: building out the vision. Yeah. But then you start to think about like, I mean, even just to go back briefly to the manifesto, Mm.
1: because
0: it wasn't just the customers feel this. We mm. also wanted to hear from stylists and mm. salon stylists. And then you start to hear that actually hairdressing schools, like either there's a separate module for Afro hair. Oh, wow. Or, I didn't know that. Or in order to do, either there's an elective that you have to do. I've heard several versions of this story. Sometimes it's a different elective, so it's not part of the core curriculum mm. So you have to elect to do it, or you have to pay a little bit extra to have to do it. So when mm. you start to kind of unravel, you start to think of, well, how do we have longevity as you say? Yeah when actually there's no pipeline. For mm. the talent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And when you think about the fact that these salons are running small businesses, maybe yeah. it's one salon at a time, yeah. and they have a family and they have this, it's incredibly difficult to yeah. do all of those things and give a great service at the same time. Yeah. And then when you then start to think about longevity from another perspective, well, who are the people that I'm hiring? Mm. What is their skill set? Mm. It's not to say that they ought to be people of color. Mm. They might be, they might not be, but mm. you start to just think in a broader, more expansive way around mm-hmm. um experience who mm-hmm. gets to have experience and who doesn't yes um and how that equation can be changed
1: yeah tackling the industry on all fronts uh, <laughs> um, no but you are you are tackling it on all fronts you're you're having a consumer conversation which yeah. is hey let me help you find the best products for your hair and your needs and you're saying hey stylist can we all get on the same page yeah. because we need to think of our service to the customers as a whole. And then recently you've now launched Amara, which is actually I'm jumping. Yeah. Pre Amara, (laughs) you did the hair lab, which was
0: an incredible (laughs)
1: pop-up concept. And you took, what are they called? Those vans? Airstream vans. You literally took an
0: Airstream (laughs) van to locations around, Around London. Yes. Four locations around London. So, um, converted an airstream. We popped up in Covent Garden in Brixton. I had major business crush with that movie. <laughs> I, I thought, we should do a oh, duo one next time. Yeah.
1: I thought,
0: oh, Winnie's done it again. <laughs> we should do a duo I one. I was like, Winnie and this her coolness have done it again. <laughs> you know? We should definitely do a duo But Like, I definitely will partner to do that because it was operationally such a pain. <laughs> yeah. I,
1: I ran a retail store for two and a half years. Exactly. So I, you I, know, I'm not. Yeah. You exactly. Even a trade show is hard work for me. Exactly. Nowadays. Exactly. And your trade shows are infamously beautiful. Thank you. But a trade show is hard work. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, like, it is. It I is. think the last trade show I did was stylist. Yeah. Stylist live. Yeah. And after that, I thought, Ooh, yeah. this is work. Yeah. It <laughs> you is. Know? It this is. is work. It is. Cause your go for such a, Vast number of people for such a vast number like of days. Yeah, that at the end you need a holiday.
0: Honestly, I I can hundred percent relate. So, so like after after lab. the hair lab, yeah. So so the hair lab started with you know I thought of this concept and I and I was like oh my god wouldn't it be great if and then I obsessed over it for uh, like. Yeah. I think I thought about it like November 2018, and somehow we launched it in August 2019. Nice. And we popped up in 13 months incubation. Yeah. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. Popped up in like four different locations. Again, it's so fascinating. But the purpose was to to what exactly? The purpose was to meet our customers Mm. at their point of need, Mm. um, provide them with personalized services. So in the pop up, we had a mixture of trichologists who were actually scanning the sky. Oh wow. Scanning the hair, providing product mm. recommendations to people. Mm. And then we also had other hair care services, mm. a braid bar, a trim bar, a mm. curl bar, all in one space. Mm. So it was like your dream
1: mobile salon. It basically. literally
0: was a physical manifestation of everything that we believe with Antidote Streets. Mm. It was a next gen. What does the future of of our hair care look like yeah look like Mm. and that was what we were trying to achieve it didn't make sense for it to just be in one place i definitely Mm. wanted it to move around so we had great locations that i fought really hard for to get because i remember actually trying to secure some spaces in central i was told well why won't you go to a place that's more more ethnically dense more ethnic And my argument was, well, these people who you're referring to as ethnic, you do realize that they work in the city of London. Yeah. They interact in these spaces. So why Mm -hmm. shouldn't they access their beauty services in those spaces? And true to form, Covent Garden was so busy for us Mm. because everybody was like stopping by going to work and they were like, we need to go in there. Yeah. We need to check it out. And then they were doubly surprised when they saw that it was for them yes. like that was just like i can't believe this is for us yeah but then at the same time it was kind of like i can't believe this is for us with both elation mm. and also shock mm. and when i reflected weeks after and when i thought about the shock it also hit me that okay we're just not used to having this level of quality of service so when we do see it yes a- an element of shock yeah that comes with it even though we enjoy it. And that was the hair lab popped up in lots of different places. Yeah. And it ran for eight days. Yeah. And I remember, like, actually, when I was thinking about it originally, I wanted it to run for like a month. Oh, goodness. You're insane. <laughs> but eight days killed me. Eight days. <laughs> eight, eight days insane. killed me. The generator broke down. Oh and God. thankfully I had my friend yes. who you see, this is what third culture kids do, right? When you've had contextual experience of what it means to live in another place or maybe even run a business in yeah. another place yeah. like nigeria you instantly know what to do when a generator breaks down oh yeah because instantly she was like i know this is you need diesel not this and she just made it happen like that and it was back up and running And it was back up and running Fantastic. And one of my friends just ran a fashion label in lagos also told me that you know when i started this i thought i was running a fashion company but she was like i am queen of operations okay you <laughs> want to know generators come to me I will call me, call me. So, amazing <laughs> so I think that it's yeah it's amazing there's definitely so, something about having yes. that contextual experience which you know in this particular scenario that's a skill if I'm going to run a business in that it year, is. I'll probably think of this as a skill from someone I'm hiring
1: but I think we tend to negate those skills at times now you do that mm-hmm. and then in the same year you decide that you're going to partner and start your own fashion label, yes. which is, tugs at your, one of your passions. Yeah. I think you have a general passion for art and you decided that this was going to be your next venture. Yeah. Alongside trying to change the, you know, hair care industry yeah. for textured hair and an ode to, I guess, colonial, post-colonial <laughs> era was your choice. Was
0: that intentional? And Verve, um, which is our, uh fashion label you know that, that we had done like the, the latest collection which looked at Ambari which was a post-colonial movement it was just collection number two the way we think about it is three could be I don't know some other source of inspiration but it just so happened that as you know, we're looking at old family albums and we're often struck by when you'd see a picture of our parents, you'd, we would often see our mum kind of like nicely poised, nicely, how do I put it? Our mums always look nicely poised and our dads just look like, you know, with an air of arrogance in there. And I think that came from this idea that women have to be always perfectly put together yeah. or perfectly behaved. I
1: think I refer to, I call it black vintage glamour
0: yes um, and that's actually
1: one of the reasons why each episode cover art yes is black and white ah amazing because like you we both have yeah. a keen appreciation for art exactly um and African contemporary art yeah. and photography etc and I do quite nostalgically and and again if nostalgia
0: is the right word look at that period in time as being magical yeah yeah when we delve deeper into what was happening in that time in call it the global 60s Mm. you know you had artists writers gravitating towards Ibadan in Nigeria Mm. Mm. and it was almost like much like you'd have a Parisian salon Mm. where the Hemingways, the Baldwin's congregated. You had a similar thing happening in, you know, in Ibadan at the same time. And what was fascinating is that a lot of the artists that went through that fella did his first debut there mm. Shonka, Chino Achebe, Christopher mm. Kubel, like all of those guys mm. have gone on to become I would say such leading figures in their space yeah I'm not even sure that that's a I a, think they, they a, defined a, 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 they, they, they defined, defined po- they
1: defined post-colonial Nigeria for sure
0: absolutely did but you don't hear enough about the women who would have been involved in that movement so that was kind of like a point of departure for us for the collection mm. with and verbs like who Who are the women who might have been involved in Mm. this space? Mm. Um, What did they do? What Mm. did they wear? Who Mm. just who are they? How do we get access to them? Mm. And in doing that, it touched on like documentation and how we're documenting culture. Where Mm -hmm. you find information, where you don't find information. Exactly. You know, during that period. Shout
1: out Third Culture. I know,
0: I know, I know. During that period, um, they actually published Black Office magazines. Yes. And they were these amazing journals that had contributors Langston Hughes from Mm. America. You know like Caribbean thought leaders. Mm. It was a widely read, amazing journal, Mm -hmm. but you can, it's difficult to get your hands on these. So I know you interviewed Ayo of Taffeta. Yeah. So Ayo was amazing because he let us borrow his copies. If you you haven't heard that episode,
1: I think it's a great episode uh, to check out because yeah. he's a great student and also a, a mutual friend of ours. Yes, yes.
0: And he actually is a student of the culture. He is. He is. He knows so much and we always yep. have the most amazing conversations. Mm. We actually partnered for our, our presentation at British Fashion Council because we partnered with Tafta Gallery because he provided us with the works of and the, the Yeah. from that era. Nice. But I mean...
1: How it, was showing at London Fashion Week though? Oh
0: my gosh (laughs) because that's not something everyone gets to do we were selected to do the discovery lab which was literally just perfect for ebon and i because you know in starting adverb we always wanted to sing to the beat of our own drums Mm. we always wanted to tell a story a deeper story and the discovery lab is sort of this experimental showcase that blends Mm. together i would say fashion art performance so we Mm. were able to bring together basically showed a collection for the first time, mm. but with an art installation and mm. a film installation at the same time. Yeah. It was an experience. What was, yeah. What was amazing for us was seeing everybody who attended just, they were just there they just stuck around they just were making conversation with everybody else it wasn't kind of like your typical "ooh, we're at a fashion show so yeah you know what i mean like it was just a warm vibrant space
1: but i think that's what you put out right like your cool factor (laughs) (laughs) um i think i don't know if i'm gonna call that cool (laughs) i'm so uncool to you, but I think (laughs) to the wider audience, you are particularly cool and you've done a lot of cool things. And through all this, I want to say this woman is incredibly amazing. And if anyone deserves the works of their hands to be supported, I think you are one of those people because through such an incredible time you wake up and show up every day have come on the podcast and are still out there serving your customers and still creating and still pushing forward for the culture so as a general hey guys check out and check out antidote streets check out anything that Winnie's doing is for sure something that I think our listeners should really try and and, and follow. You're not on social. I think (laughs) you should be because you have a personality that lends itself so easily um, to that. I think watching as closely as I've been privileged to your journey has been incredible. And I hope for, for a young woman out there who from a customer perspective, doesn't know what to do with her hair or is at a point of frustration or is
0: looking for knowledge what would you say to them well if they're looking for knowledge thankfully we're providing that on Antidote street (laughs) love that plug um (laughs) but but i would say that part of this this whole thing is when you talked about the magazines about how the way we consumed those magazines. It mm. was from a different perspective. I recently was going through my stack of Vogue magazines mm. and I was like the really old ones. You
1: you posted, you posted some of your thoughts. Oh my on that. God.
0: I was just so yeah. surprised by what I was consuming at such a young age. Yeah. And fashion is great, but mm. I think with my eyes now, I can see that actually there was zero representation. Mm-hmm. So I certainly wasn't seeing myself. No. Um and that can have all sorts of impact on a mm. person. I can't remember who it was that said if you don't see yourself in in art, in, in in literature, yeah. In in all of these different spaces, it's almost as if you don't exist. Exist. Yeah. And I, I guess I'm really conscious of, of, of that. So when mm. you then take all of that that's happening I would say in the media and then you you merge it with this idea of beauty and mm. how people can stay true to whoever it is that they are. I think it's really really important to encourage young women to mm. embrace themselves as fully as they can, mm. even as they explore their hair journey. That mm. means really just learning your hair as it is, because mm-hmm. it's amazing just as it is. Not yeah. wishing it was a different texture. Yes. Not wishing it was da 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 like. Because yeah. I remember, like even when. You know, a number of my friends were going natural, as it were. They were thinking it was going to become this big, like, spirals. A bit like... Full of curls. A bit like, full of curls. But, you know, for some people, it's not. And it it doesn't work out that way. And that's not to say that... I think also the industry has a thing of overtly celebrating... Overtly is not the word you know celebrating yeah, the looser texture, the, te- the texture, looser yeah. curls and i think it should be we should celebrate but we aspire to that everyone though. but i don't think we should mm. you know there's so many beauty in so many different forms like i would see like really beautiful tight curls and it's yeah. got a particular density to it yeah. and you can mold beautiful shapes and sculptures yeah. with it that yeah. you can't do with mm. looser curl patterns. The power of shrinkage. I know I, and the thing is like you know shrinkage gets such a bad rap but it's yeah. actually your hair is healthy when it's shrinking and the yeah. fact that it can be shrunken in one state and you can do a particular style and it's long again is just so freaking magical Mm. so i just think for someone who's young actually not necessarily young at any point in their journey to Mm. just work with it understand it and just amplify rather than try to Mm. to change or or wish that it was it was something else because it's pretty damn amazing the way it is
1: fabulous and so where do they find you, Antidote Street? Can you let our guests know?
0: Um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so we're on antidote street.com mm-hmm. and our Instagram is at Antidote Street.
1: Great. And this will be in the show notes so you can get that information. Uh well, Winnie, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Third Culture Africans. I've had a hoot, um, and I hope our listeners have too. Thank
0: you so much for having me. This has been such an amazing conversation and I'm excited to hear everybody else on Third Culture Africans. I think this is such an inspired podcast. So thanks for creating it. And thanks again for everything that you do with Malay and also continue to be an inspiration to all of us.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Thanks guys. And until next week, we'll see you then. Yay! Thank you for listening to this episode of Third Culture Africans, the lifestyle podcast. We would love to hear from you. So please find us on Facebook or Instagram at Third Culture Africans and leave us a comment. A review goes a long way in getting our show notice. So please leave us one if you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time.